Welcome to Southern Sisters Radio on Faith Talk Atlanta, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home and true Southern sister, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio Show, the program for Southern women and the men who adore them. Hello, Sandy. Hey, Jenny McCormick Earhart. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's another day in the studio. Beautiful Saturday. Summertime. Summertime in the South. I know. It's perfect, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's a perfect combination of, of beautiful flowers, singing birds, and a little trickle of sweat rolling down the side of my face. Oh, yeah. Trickle of sweat, right middle of the back. Yes. Mm-hmm. Coming from underneath the bra strap. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. There was uh, some excitement at my house this week. Oh, what happened? Well, I, I discovered that a few of my tomatoes have begun to turn red. You know, they were just green for the uh-huh. longest time. And for those of you that don't know, I, I've often talked about how I did not inherit the Southern gardening gene that a lot of my wonderful fellow Southern sisters did. Right. Right. So I'm a little, I'm a little challenged in, in, the, uh, in the garden. Mm-hmm. My main objective in my garden is not to kill anything. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and it's as easy to kill with kindness as it is to kill with neglect. This is true. Too, Too much, much water, water, not good. No. Of course, tomatoes, particularly when they're bearing fruit, need lots and lots of water. And yeah. do you know the coolest idea? I don't know whether this works or not, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things that you see on Facebook and you go, well, that makes sense. Yeah. It was a tip to get those glass or plastic red shiny Christmas ornaments. Right. The bright red ones and hang them around your tomato plants Hmm. so that when the birds are looking for something to eat, they go peck the ornaments and go, these tomatoes are nasty. Really? And they'll leave your tomatoes alone. I've never heard that. I never have either. But if I was growing tomatoes, I'd try it. We're going to fake out the birds just a little bit. Sure. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. Psych. My neighbors would think I was crazy. <laughs> Decorating your tomato plants yeah. for Christmas. You know, I moved out to the country a little while while back. I used mm-hmm. to live more in the closer to the city. Now I'm out in the country. And, uh, you know, we have wonderful neighbors. And a couple of our neighbors have gardens. Uh-huh. Right. And uh, you know, it's, a, it's a nice neighborhood. And, and my husband and I were sitting having breakfast one morning, looking out the side window of our house and admiring our next door neighbor's garden. He has an expansive garden. Um, he's a he's a doctor. He's a, just a very distinguished gentleman, shall we say. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, but he has an affinity for gardening. And we'd only been in the house about a week. And I remember thinking, I hope we like our neighbors because, you know, when you move into a new place, you don't really know what you're getting. Right. Do you? Right. Right. Yeah. They could be a lot of fun. They could be, you know, stick in the muds. They could mm-hmm. be difficult. They could yeah. be, you know, or worse. They could just be weirdos. Yeah. Outright. So anyway, so we were we were watching and looking out the side window. And this is about 730 in the morning. And uh, we noticed all of a sudden that our, our next door neighbor came out onto his side porch, right, in his robe, okay, uh-huh. carrying a what looked like a shotgun. Oh. Okay. Now, as it turns out, it was just a pellet gun, right? Okay. But he is very attentive to his garden. As it turns out, there was some kind of critter in his garden. And so you have to imagine, my husband and I are sitting there in this little table, having our, sipping our coffee, looking out the window. And he's neither, about to commit murder. Yes. <laughs> neither one of us says a thing. We're just looking. And then all of a sudden, you see him raise his pellet gun and... Boom, boom. He fired off a couple of shots into the garden. I don't know what he was shooting at, but I, I suspect he got it. He looked very satisfied. He put the gun down, walked back in the house. I said, you know what? I like this guy. <laughs> I'm sure he was shooting some pesky, awful. We have problems Probably. with moles yes. and we have problems with critters out there that uh-huh. are destroying. You know, this wasn't he wasn't after Bambi, but um, right. it was just not what I expected to see. And we just both laughed. We thought that was awesome. <laughs> OK, pardon me. Just a moment. Note to self. <laughs> When you make a vegetable garden, 
Use the Christmas ornaments, not the pellet gun. Okay, got it. Got it. Just a, it's just one more way to keep the keep the critters out of your garden, I guess. But but you know, I've uh, the kids are all home. I know I've talked about this last time. My kids are home for the summertime. They've invaded the house. Right? Mm-hmm. Life is different when kids are in the house during the summertime. It's a whole different energy level, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Because we go from two people in the house to seven, eight, nine, depending on who they're bringing right. home with them. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. We have the the actual children we have children and stepchildren together mm-hmm. and then we've got the the you know the extraneous equally important but, but you know what i'm saying friends the extras the yes. friends and the fiancés or sometimes gotcha. it's a husband or a wife because gotcha. we've got a couple that are married now they come on home and i was just laughing i opened up the uh, refrigerator yesterday it was just kind of you know perusing what was in my refrigerator and normally during the year when it's just my husband and i we have a just you know we have our little favorite things in there a lot of healthy options um I, all kinds of strange things in my refrigerator <laughs> now we got a lot of styrofoam containers of People bringing, you know, kids bringing stuff home. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you see, you can always look in there and see who's eating what. We have different dietary interests. Of course Shall you we do. say? Okay. So we've got a couple that like and dislike certain things. Uh-huh. And then we got two. My daughter and her fiance are on this very unusual sort of um, cleansing diet. All right. So they're, they're, they're drinking strange shakes and weird things in packets of powder that they dissolve in water and drink. And mm-hmm. then it's all like, you know, lean meat and lots of fresh vegetables, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm also simultaneously cooking for a couple of teenage boys that want fried chicken and quesadillas. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a bit of a challenge. It's if I want us to all have dinner act. together, it's a yeah. bit of a challenge. What am I going to make that everybody's going to eat? Exactly. It's been a little little stressful but but we're so far everybody's getting along just fine if anybody can pull it off in style it is jenny yeah yeah well you know what i pulled it off this week i will say yeah um i was kind of reflecting on how we do our meal planning you know southern women's are southern women are typically planners by and mm-hmm. large yes uh, but then i kind of group my dinners into two categories we've got the planned dinners mm-hmm. okay that's where i pull out a piece of paper and i jot down what i need right i think about it right, right. yeah pull it all together go to the store specifically get everything i need have it in the house uh, that's doesn't happen that often. <laughs> and then we have the unplanned dinners. Okay, now that's the dinner where you find yourself standing with your grocery cart in Publix at 545 wondering what on earth am I going to feed my family tonight? In 45 minutes to an hour, right. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something that everybody likes that's not just, you no know. No challenge here. No, no stress. No, no. And you're, you're just determined I'm not going to just relegate myself to going through a drive-thru. I'm actually going to put a home-cooked meal. I found a good one this week, though. Okay, what'd you do? What'd okay, you do? so I was trying to please the teenagers and everyone involved. And so I've got the two that are on the special healthy, you know, sort of lean meat protein diet and then I've got the teenage boys and then there's my husband and I and then we got a couple kids kind of in between that whatever they just want it just want it to be just good food. yeah yeah I just whipped up some barbecue chicken quesadillas this week and I have to tell you I got rave reviews from everybody and do tell how'd well, you do it it's simple now this is a shortcut meal right, right? we've got the long so home rotisserie chicken I did three chickens and you yes. know what I did I got two rotisserie chickens I deboned one to use for the chicken quesadillas and then the second rotisserie chicken was for uh, little miss sweetheart daughter and her fiance say who were on the special diet right, right? so everybody right. was taken care of right. shall we say and i just did you know the flour tortillas um i love to be able to put sauces and condiments and things transfer them into those little plastic squeeze bottles that mm-hmm. has the little tip on the end yep. you have so much more control over distributing a sauce and you can make it look cute you can make a little smiley faces <laughs> if you want to <laughs> exactly so what we did is we just we pulled out those chicken uh, those uh, tortillas laid them all over the counters and just kind of and then we piled up our chicken on each one mm-hmm. and then I did some really thinly sliced red onion just kind of 
put that across the top. Some chopped fresh cilantro out of my garden. Yum. I, I just like saying that. I know. She <laughs> grew the cilantro, I grew it. <laughs> Specifically, I didn't kill it. Let's right. be honest. Right. Okay. So fresh cilantro, and then I squeezed some of the yummy uh, barbecue sauce all over, and then just a heaping mound of fresh shredded Monterey Jack cheese. And you need a good bit of cheese in a quesadilla. To make a quesadilla work, uh, Yeah. Yes. Otherwise, it doesn't stick together. It's right. going to kind of fall apart. Right. And uh, then I plopped them right into my panini maker. Um, now, if you don't have a panini maker, can I tell you, the, what I'd used for years before I got an official panini maker was the George Foreman grill. That works, too? It does. Interesting. Yeah, don't let anybody tell you that it won't. I made okay. paninis for years on my wonderful George Foreman grill. Perfect. It's, it's wonderful. Perfect. Anyway, so we put those in there. I heated up the oven to about 180 to keep them warm. I put a big old pan in there, and then I would just do my quesadillas on the Foreman grill, or my panini maker, I should mm-hmm. say, one at a time, toss them into the oven to keep them warm. Then I just use a pizza roller, you know, pizza cutter, to uh, to cut them into, into quarters and they just gobbled them up. Yum. I could have made a hundred, I think, that they would have eaten them. It was just one of those easy, quick, weeknight meals. Everybody was happy. Mom got a medal. Thumbs up. Ta-da! Ta-da! Congratulations. When I do Mexican food, I love yeah. to do, I, I, I call it Mexican mess because oh. I don't really care what you make out of it. Hmm. If you want a burrito, make a burrito. If you want a taco, make a taco. If you want a big old Mexican salad, make a Mexican oh. salad. I just do bowls and bowls and bowls and bowls of things. So there'll be a bowl of chopped um, a chopped right. uh, olives, a bowl of chopped tomatoes, a bowl of chopped onions, some cheese shredded, some hmm. shredded lettuce, uh, whatever you might want to put. You know, a little cilantro, a yeah. little sour cream, a little guacamole, put some chips out there, put two different kinds of tortillas out there, put some yeah. couple of different kinds of beans out there and assemble what you want. You like those build your own I bars, do. don't you? I think Because we fun. talked about chicken salad and yes. you, you talked about how you did that and put all the little parts out. People like to play with food. They do. Yeah. And they like to have what they want. Well, folks, we'd love to hear your ideas about build your own this or that. If you have any ideas, programming ideas or food talk for us, just feel free to email us at radio at southernsistershome.com and we'll be right back so southern even our drawl has a drawl it's southern sisters radio on faith talk atlanta I have some questions for you. Are you as happy as you could be? That's really a challenge. As you want to be? I'll do my best. Do you know how to live a happier life? That's one thing that I still want to learn how to do. I'm Sandy Weaver-Carmen, and I want you to know that you deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happier. You deserve to know how to make yourself happy whenever and wherever. This is where the rubber meets the road. And the road to your happiness is based in neuroscience and neuroplasticity, and I've made it easy for you to learn. Fantastic. There's a new road to happiness, one that can elevate your health, wealth, and happiness if you let it. Just go to the21dayexperience.com slash Sandy Weaver Carmen. That's Carman, C-A-R-M-A-N, and elevate your happiness in just 21 days for free. Since you've been through the 21-day experience, how do you feel? I don't have a care in the world. It's free, and you'll be happier and know how to stay happier in just 21 days. The21dayexperience.com slash Sandy Weaver Carmen. That's the numbers 21, and my last name is C-A-R-M-A-N. Start today for a happier tomorrow. As southern as pecan pie, or pecan pie, and twice as sweet. Southern Sisters Radio, on Faith Talk Atlanta. And welcome back. Hello, everyone. We are heading into our second segment on the Southern Sisters Radio program, and we got something kind of interesting to talk about here, and something that everybody, I think, in the South appreciates. Yes. It's kind of one of our hallmarks, are our beautiful flowering plants here in the South. Oh. Right. I lived in Washington, D.C. for years and years and years, and mm-hmm. there are pretty gardens there, but it's nothing compared to what 
when you get a little further south. I mean, because that's below the Mason-Dixon line. Right. But still, you get down here yeah. and the amount of flowering plants mm-hmm. that are perennials that just flower all summer long. Amazing. It is amazing. Love and it. you know, for a lot of us, at least as Southern women, I know this is true. We may or may not actually appreciate all of our flowering plants until we've spent some time in other parts of the country that exactly. aren't quite so blessed. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, when I, If you head out to the Midwest or out to the you know West mm-hmm. West, you know, it, it's different. They have their own sorts of. Uh, I'm sure lovely flowering things, but there's something about the lushness and the fullness and the, you know, just the, the, how beautiful flowering plants are here in the South. It's almost tropical. Isn't it? By comparison to other parts of the country. We are almost tropical in what can grow here. Yeah. And you know, I hear the, one of the number one things I hear from folks that that travel here from other parts is just how green we are here Mm -hmm. in the South. Mm -hmm. Trees everywhere. Yep. You know? Yep. It's just one of our hallmarks, one of our trademarks. So one more thing, Sandy, in addition to all the other things we talk about, like pimento cheese and chicken salad and uh, good manners and seersucker. It's uh-huh. just one more one more thing that adds to the beauty of life here in the South. But, you know, there are certain plants that we have down here that are maybe more iconic. In other words, plants that we know when we hear that we associate it when we visualize the South. Right. Right. And there are several. And we've kind of pared down a list here that I think you may find interesting. It's really the South's most iconic Southern plants and a little bit about where they came from. Okay. Because, you know, sometimes I I like to surprise you. I like that. This is sort of like the little documentary segment of the show. Yeah. I love it. Right. We do that pretty much every week. Yeah. I I come up with something and and, uh, and I I see if I can stump you on it or surprise you. I know I got you with that whole pimento cheese not being from the South thing. (laughs) Yes. That threw everybody for a loop. (laughs) How about, let's start out with one of my favorites and that's camellias. Okay. Now the camellias. and japonicas. Oh, what's that? Yeah. Say what? Two different kinds. Oh, of, of camellias. Uh-huh. Look Sasanquas at that. and japonicas. Mm, do you have one, them in your yard? I have both kinds. Okay. And one blooms in late in the year, sort of right. like Thanksgiving-ish time. Yes. And the other one blooms in January. How about that? Don't ask me which is which because I never can remember, but I just love having them both. I don't, don't you though? Yeah. Mine, I had one uh, that was near my front porch and it bloomed usually around Christmas time. So mm-hmm. it's kind of in between that. I don't know which variety I had, but I do remember how gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous it was when I would have the Christmas lights on the bushes and then you'd have those b- lush pink blooms that mm-hmm. were coming up behind those Christmas lights. Yep. Just Stunning. God's own decorations. It, it is, absolutely. But not, uh, you know, believe it or not, like a lot of things that we have here in the South, they were not originally from the South. No. Go figure. Okay. No. How about this little bit of trivia? Andre Michaud was a botanist to King Louis XVI of France, and he brought the first camellia to Charleston, South Carolina in the 1700s. From? From France. Really? So they're French? Yes, they're French. Oh, okay. You still like them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> but they, they came. They came and they've been here ever since. Now, a lot of times we refer to them or they are referred to as the common camellia. But I have to tell you, I don't think there's anything uncommon or there's nothing uncommon about their beauty. Right. No, it's an uncommon, uncommonly beautiful is what they are. Yes. They've got those beautiful, dark, glossy leaves. And then those blooms, you know, you they, they come in pink white, red, even yellow. You don't see the yellow as often. Mm-hmm. My favorite are the pink. Mm-hmm. Absolutely adorable. I love to clip them. You know, sometimes the little pieces on my, my father used to do this. He'd take a little shallow bowl or little, put just a little bit of water in the bottom. And float them. And just kind of float them. Mm-hmm. They're just yep. so fragrant and beautiful and, and um, just absolutely quintessentially Southern. Yes. Right. I don't beautiful. think of France when I look at them at all. I think of the South. I know. Mine mm. are both dark red. Dark red. Yes. And mm. one of my dogs eats all of the buds that she can reach. 
Oh. So only the tops of the plants ever get blooms on them because she eats the buds off. I don't, really? I guess they must taste good. I, I don't guess know. they're not bad for her. She's they haven't been so far. She's just about to turn eleven. Mm. <laughs> now there are some plants that are poisonous for yes. dogs. I'd heard poinsettias, which I don't. Yeah, I don't plant. I check everything before it gets planted where the dogs can get to it. Absolutely, you have to. Yep. Yeah, babies too. They put all kinds of things in their mouths. Sure, they have to be careful. How how about those azaleas that are in your front yard? Oh my gosh! Okay, bazillion of them. Right now, these are sort of the crowning glory or the crowning beauty of most southern yards. The queen, shall we say, of the yard. Right. If 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 you're listening to this and you're thinking, "Well, I'm not sure what an azalea looks like," think about any time that you've ever seen the Masters Golf Tournament. Yes, those flowering. You know, underneath the woods, the flowering hillsides, those are azaleas. Those are azaleas at at the Augusta National. Right. It's uh, absolutely, they they painstakingly take care of those. They're beautifully manicured. Mm -hmm. My husband spent some time there and he talks about just the impeccable landscaping. Wow. Yeah, just stunning. Now, you know, believe it or not, azaleas are also not originally from the South. They're from Japan. Okay. How about that? They came now, a long way. We have native azaleas here, though. Now we do. Okay. Now we do. But there are many of that varieties that came from Japan. Gotcha. Now, the nice thing is um, they are hardy, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, they're they're durable. Right. Right? So it fluctuates. You can't kill them. Yeah, really. <laughs> you can't kill them. You can't kill them. They're reliable. Uh-huh. Right? They come back every year. And for a lot of folks, they kind of anchor the landscaping in their yard. Right. They might put some other smaller things around them. But the best tips really for doing a good job with your azaleas is to, number one, buy them when they're in bloom. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the tags are wrong. Right. And I, I'm i saying that as someone who knows. Oh, dear. Right. What color did you end up I, with I, when you thought you were getting I thought I else? was buying white and I had pink. I had enough pink already. I didn't need any more pink. Gotcha. But it was tagged white. So uh-huh. it, if you can, <laughs> you know, buy them when they have got some blooms on them, so you know exactly what you're what you're getting. You also want to group them for a re- if you want a really strong effect. Group them in masses. Right. That's how you get what you were talking about. The exactly. Big, big display. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, I remember my father once uh, got a deal. <laughs> he liked to deal. He got a deal on azaleas. He planted 50 of them in the backyard. Wow. Right. My instruction was to put um, a bucket of water and fertilizer on each one. So that was 50 buckets I had to fill and haul out to the backyard. You were a busy young lady. Yeah. He used to like to put me to work in the yard. Oh, but, um, but anyway, so yeah, so they need a little bit of care in the beginning, but once they get going, they are they are pretty much good to go. They're they're hardy and they're going to last forever. Um, and also, I love to sometimes clip them. People don't think of doing this. Mm-hmm. They just think, oh, Azalea, that's a yard plant. But I love to when some of my more mature plants to clip them and group mm-hmm. them together in a vase. They're yep. just as pretty as anything else that yep. you might pop in a vase and yep. put bring inside your house. And they're gorgeous. Aren't they beautiful? And so many colors, maybe more colors of Azaleas than just about any other type of plant. You've got red, purple, pink, white. There are even some orange and yellow ones out there. They're mm-hmm. less common, mm-hmm. but beautiful. And if you're going to go to the garden center and get an azalea, spend the extra buck or two and get an encore azalea because mm. they are gorgeous. They bloom twice a year. I love it. Yep. The more the better. More blooms the better, yep. right? How about hydrangeas, Sandy? Yes. Oh, now Southerners love our hydrangeas. We grow them. We admire them. We clip them. We give them to friends, right? How about this? The Latin name, hydrangea macrophylla. It's a French hydrangea, and it's basically a staple of most Southern gardens. You know, you get those big billowy blooms, mm-hmm. right? They're just gorgeous. They come in a variety of colors. You've got pink and white, even purple. But I'm sure that you know the most popular color here in the South, the most iconic color for hydrangeas here in the South is blue. Is blue. And I was thinking, you know, why blue? But the more you think about it, they're really, what else do you know that really 
blooms blue. Right. There are not many things that bloom, bloom blue. So if you want a blue flower in your garden, you put a hydrangea in, and what do you put? It's a certain kind of fertilizer I think it's a, on it. Uh, well, I know my dad used to say if you put some Epsom salt okay. around the base, it would change the acidity of the ground. You okay. could actually change the color of the blooms, okay. right? How about some southern climbing roses? Oh, yes. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, my goodness. They add beauty and character to the southern gardener yard. And, you know, honestly, you can train those climbing roses to climb up just about anything. If you've got an arbor, a fence, a deck, even I trained some once to just go up the side of my house, like on the, on the drain pipe. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of crawl up the side there. It kind of adds a softness to anything that's got a hard surface. Right. Right. Uh, climbing roses, they have thrived in the south for generations. And, you know, despite what you might think. People often think, oh, you know, roses are high maintenance. But quite frankly, they're tough. And they're for the most part in the South, most of the climbing varieties are disease and bug resistant. So they're a safe bet, even for the, um, you know, less ambitious gardener. And I think the Georgia State flower is the Confederate rose, yes? Uh, which, is the, which is a rambling rose. And they're very hardy. See, I should know that. That's okay. I, I just helped you out with that. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, the iconic southern flower or southern tree depending on how you want to look at it's gotta it gotta be a magnolia it's gotta be a magnolia yeah. you know i call magnolias the giving trees i, I do because for, for a couple of different reasons well first of all uh they are probably the most iconic southern tree so when you think of the south you think of magnolias those leaves with those glossy dark evergreen on top and the bronze sort of velvety underside mm-hmm. right the blossoms are massive right heavenly fragrance they just if you're within any blowing distance of a magnolia tree and it's in bloom, you, you know, know it. it. You know it. But it gives, does it not? It's beautiful in the yard. It blooms, right? So you can clip those blossoms, bring them inside. It's also a wonderful resource for decorating. Yes. Okay. So as you head toward the holidays, you can clip those branches and use them for uh, for garlands and for uh, Christmas wreaths. Mm-hmm. I love to go out and clip some branches off and just kind of arrange them on my on my mantle. Absolutely. And we want to know what your favorite southern flower, tree, or bush is. Mm. Email us, radio at southernsistershome.com. We may not have mentioned yours, so let us know. Yeah. We'll be right back. So southern, you can hear the butter melting on the biscuit. Here's Southern Sisters Radio on Faith Talk Atlanta. And welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio program. Guess what we're doing now, Sandy? What are we going to do? I Is think there a recipe involved? <laughs> you know, if it's the food segment, there's a recipe involved. But there's a little more to it this time. Okay. We are going to sort of uh, kind of pay homage or pay tribute here to one of my favorite all-time things and something that I believe Southern sisters, Southern women do very well. Yes. Girls' Night In. Oh, of course. Now, it's not a whole lot different than Girls' Night Out, and I'm a fan of both of those, Mm -hmm. right? Girls' Night In just implies, you know, you're, you're whipping some things up in your own house. Right. You're having your girlfriends over. Right. Hanging out, chilling. Have a good time. Right? Yeah. It is absolutely could essential. Could turn into a pajama party at a moment's notice. <laughs> <It> could, right? <laughs> it just, um, you know, it's just a wonderful thing to do. And I've had little girls nights in at my house for just one person, me and my best friend. We've Perfect. done that, just the two of us. And uh-huh. then other times it's fun to invite, you know, maybe a larger crowd in. It gets a little gets a little rowdy. Uh, Southern women, we have a tendency to talk over each other, you know. And that's okay. It's like a crazy little merry-go-round. You just have to jump on. Yeah, no disrespect. <laughs> it's just, it's fun. But you know, the, the one of the best things I think to do for a girl's night in, if you're having some girlfriends over, is you want to set the set the mood with some great music. Okay. Okay. So I, I love a little jazz when my girlfriends are coming over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that or maybe even some retro old 80s stuff, you mm-hmm. know, for me. That's 
retro these days, of right. course, is 80s, 80s music. But just you want to set the, to, set the tone or set the mood with some, some nice, relaxing music. And then probably one of the most essential things you want to do for a girl's night in, if you're not doing a, a full dinner, and a lot of times that's just a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Maybe more than you want to do. Right. You could just have a little cocktail hour where you, maybe you have some sort of signature cocktails and a couple of small bites to nibble on. And so I've put together a little little menu for us here. Okay. That I what think are we going to have? Be fun. Come on, ever, Sandy. We're gonna we're gonna start off with a peach mojito. Okay. Oh well, now that's just not ever going to be a bad idea. No, not in the summertime yeah. and not in the south. Right. And not for our girls' night in. Exactly. So, so pull up a chair, Sandy. We're going to have a peach mojito together. And this is easy to make. We're going to make a pitcher that's going to make about six servings. Okay. It's a simple, simple thing to do. Three for you. Oh, my, 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 my. You will be spending the night. <laughs> Pajama party. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, this time of year with the, in the South, we have the peaches. So we're mm-hmm. going to make this with fresh peaches. Oh, nice. You got to. This yeah. time of year, you have to. So what we're going to do is we're going to whip up a fast one cup of simple syrup. Now, okay. you can do it the old-fashioned way and put the water in the pot and heat the pot and put the sugar in. I've got a little shortcut method. If you get good hot water out of your tap, mm-hmm. you can just go ahead and take your one cup of sugar and mix it with about three quarters cup of hot water right from the tap and just whisk it up right there. Basically, all you're trying to do is get the sugar to dissolve. Right. So you don't have to boil it. So yeah. I have an Instahot. It's 190 degrees, I think. So I could just do it with that. You've got Insta Insta simple syrup. I love that. <laughs> That's all you have to do. So we're going to do one cup of sugar mixed with three quarter cups of hot water to form a simple syrup. Okay. You're going to need three fresh peaches. You want them pitted and sliced. A bunch of mint. I get to say it again. I get to go out to the garden and gather and a bunch gather of mint. The mint that you grew. <laughs> or you can do what I did for the past 30 years, which just buy a bunch at the grocery store right, or the farmer's market. Too. But you want about a one cup of loose uh, mint leaves, about six to eight ounces of white rum. Okay. And this can be omitted if you're making a mocktail, right? Okay. Rather than a cocktail. Um, three cans, which is about 36 ounces of lemon sparkling water. Now, you can also use club soda that you've just squeezed the juice of a lemon into. Okay. Right, but you can buy, LaCroix, I believe, makes one, right. a lemon-flavored. Um, and there's no sugar in it. There's no, no calories. It's just, I mean, seriously, yeah. there's nothing. It's it's sparkling water that tastes like lemons. There you go. Yeah. Right? And you don't good. need the sugar because we've already put the simple syrup. We're going to be putting the simple syrup exactly. in. Exactly. Right? And now, the rum. And the peaches. Yeah. Right? It's going to be good. <laughs> Fabulous. So all you need to do, Sandy, bring your, bring your glass pitcher over here. We're going to mix up a, a whole pitcher full of these wonderful peach mojitos. Okay. Okay. So in the bottom of the Pitcher. What you're going to do is you're going to place your peach slices and those mint leaves just in, in the bottom. You're going to pour about one half of your simple syrup over the top of all that. Now we're going to muddle. Now we've muddled before on this we've show. We've muddled before. We have. And, and and you do not need to run out and buy a fancy muddler. If you have one, use it. Otherwise, you can use the back of a like a big wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're going to muddle away vigorously. Okay, so muddling, muddling just basically means pressing and squashing and moving around. Right. You're right? just trying to get the essential oils out of the mint and yes. into the drink. Thank you. So just break the leaves up just a little bit. It's, this is not cutting. This is not knifing. This is just Mm-mm. pound on them a little bit. It's if not rocket science. If you had a bad day, have a good time with the muddling. There you go. Yeah, get your, get your frustrations <laughs> out. You're going to feel better in a few minutes anyway, I promise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to do that. Then you're going to add the remaining simple syrup to the pitcher. And then in goes the ice. All right. So about 24 ice cubes thereabout, you know, depending on the size. You're going to add your rum and then you're going to pour in the sparkling water on top of that. Okay. Then stir it a few times. All right. Move it around a little bit. It's going to be beautiful. Now, what you're going to do is pour it into your glasses and then you want to take maybe a spoon and spoon some of those peach slices and mint leaves out of the pitcher and kind of put those in the top and some of the ice cubes. Right. Now, you're going to want a straw for this Mm because you're going to have these wonderful peaches and mint leaves floating around in the top so you just you just plunge that straw down in there this is one of the most refreshing 
summertime beverages out there. It's wonderful. It sounds fabulous. Yes. And it's going to gonna be a key to a very fun girls' night in. Perfect. In my opinion. So peach mojitos, folks. If you would like to have a copy of this recipe, it will be on our website. You can go on and look at that at any time, um, which is southernsistershome.com. Just click on the blog. That's where all of our recipes are each week. And, and pretty, I still owe you a recipe for rotten banana cupcakes, don't yeah, I? Yeah. You know and what? Blog I've, been, post. I've been concerned about that for weeks now. Dang. I noticed I you didn't mention it. I didn't. Yeah. I'll do it. I promise. Rotten banana. Rotten banana cupcakes. Don't let the name scare oh, you. No, mm. they're so good. Now, listen, we've got our peach mojito, so we need a little something to nibble on, right? Drinks and nibbles. Drinks and small bites. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to just make it simple. Don't make it hard on yourself. I find that just whipping up one or two little things for small bites um, is sufficient. Just right. something to kind of have something on your stomach, especially if you're having a drink like this. One of my favorites, because there's just nothing not to love about it is my our southern sister's candied bacon. Now, I love candied bacon. Do you? How do you make it? Okay, very simply, there are two ingredients. Okay. Now people think bacon breakfast, no, not in this case. This is a candied bacon that is absolutely fabulous to nibble on. Uh, and here's a little thought about candied bacon. Now, so brown sugar is really all it takes to transform ordinary bacon into something extra special. So as it bakes, the sugar caramelizes and creates a sticky, sweet glaze that is really, quite frankly, Sandy, nothing short of heavenly. It is amazing. So what I do is we're going to make a whole pound because I think you and I can eat a pound of bacon. Just about. I think we could. We're going to cut those pieces in half. All right. So we got half half size pieces of bacon. And what you're going to do is you're going to spread it on a baking sheet. Now, if you want to make a little less mess, you can put a little grate on there, like a little um, mesh cooling rack. I have one that fits inside my baking sheet. You Mm -hmm. don't have to. You're going to use about a half a cup of brown sugar for a pound of bacon. Okay. It's as simple as taking the, I just take the, the brown sugar in my hands and I just go over each piece and just kind of distribute that. Just kind of rub it into the to the bacon. Perfect. Every little piece into the oven it goes uh, about 18 minutes. Keep an eye on it. Just right. depends. If you like it a little softer, take it out sooner. If you like it a little crispier, you can leave it in a little bit longer. Keep an eye on it. You're going to do it at about 400, so you want to keep a close right. a close eye yeah, don't on it. Don't walk out of the kitchen and forget. No, no. But that's going to caramelize. You bring it out. You can eat it hot, but as it cools, it kind of firms up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I love to take those pieces of bacon and stand them on in in like little, like, short, shallow little uh, cups. Yep. You know, so they're kind of standing up like yep. that. Makes a great presentation. Can we gild the lily just a little bit on a couple of the pieces just yes. to see what it would be like? Absolutely. Just a tiny little sprinkling of cayenne pepper. Cayenne makes everything better. So we have some sweet and hot bacon. See, sweet and hot. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like us. That's us to a T. You're right. <laughs> now, to go along with our I'm candy sweet, bacon. you're hot. Oh, oh, thank you for that. <laughs> there you go. I won't argue with that. We're, you're, you know, you're hot, too. And I'm also sweet. Thank so you, it's, it, it's interchangeable terms and as far as I'm concerned. How about our Southern Sisters mushroom puffs? I can't wait to hear about these. Mm, now, these are good. These are yum and, yum, yummy and warm. They go great with the, uh, they go beautifully, actually, with the, with the candied bacon. Okay. Wash it down with a peach mojito. Okay, so what you want to do is... With a mixer, either a stand mixer or a handheld mixer, you want to beat about eight ounce, an eight ounce package of cream cheese, softened cream cheese. You're just going to whip it up. To that, you're going to add eight ounces of chopped fresh mushrooms. I like the little baby Bella mushrooms that are in okay. season. You can always get those in the, right. in the produce department. You're also going to add a fourth of a cup of finely chopped onion and a fourth of a cup of grated Parmesan cheese. Yum. So you got a yummy little cheesy, oniony, you know, earthy, cheesy mixture. Earthy, salty, yeah. You want to pop that into the refrigerator and chill it for at least one hour. Okay. But you could do it up to 24 hours and just make this the next day, right? Preheat your oven to 400 degrees. 
in a small bowl, you want to whisk together one egg and one tablespoon of water. That's basically called an egg wash. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you've ever made a pie, you've probably done an egg right. wash before. Now, one of my favorite things, one of my, one of my favorite shortcut products on the, mar- uh, on the market are frozen, frozen puff, puff pastry, pastry sheets. <laughs> I love them. They have every cook I know loves these things. Yes. It is a perfectly acceptable substitute. Fabulous to, you know, substitute to making homemade pastry dough, right? Which takes all day. You don't want to do it. No, two per pastry, package. Yeah. You got two pieces per package. So you're going to roll one sheet onto a floured surface until you've got a, a rectangle about 16 by 10 inches, right? And then you want to cut that sheet in half lengthwise. Spread about a half a cup of your wonderful cheese mushroom mixture right down the center of each rectangle. Brush the eggs ed- edges with a little egg mixture and then fold each pastry in half lengthwise. You want to kind of pinch the edges there so that it seals. Using a sharp knife, you want to cut that rectangle into about 10 pieces. Place them on a baking sheet. Now, on that baking sheet, you want to either spritz it with some olive oil or lay a piece of parchment paper down so it doesn't stick, right? You want to repeat that now with your other piece of pastry so dough. This is going to make a lot of little You're going to have puffs. a lot, at least 36. And I think yeah. you and I could put away 36 in a heartbeat. Uh-huh. Brush the tops of these with the remaining egg wash, sprinkle with a little pepper, and bake for 20 to 25 minutes or until browned. Heaven. Fabulous. Heaven. Fabulous. So we've got our peach mojito, our candied bacon, and our yummy Southern Sisters savory mushroom puffs. That sounds like a perfect ladies' mm, night Who needs to dinner? This yeah. is, this is I could just make a meal off of this. Now, <laughs> what would be your favorite thing to serve if your girlfriends were coming over to your ladies' night in? Yes, let us know when we'll come over. Yes. Oh, and you, yeah, please invite us. Please. <laughs> we won't eat much. No, nowhere near what you we know talked how to about reach doing us. this time. Yeah. <laughs> Radio at southernsistershome.com is where you can find us. And let us know how you like to enter. Great. We'll be right back. Sweet tea? Why, yes, thank you. Southern Sisters Radio, exclusively on Faith Talk Atlanta. I have some questions for you. Are you as happy as you could be? That's really a challenge. As you want to be? I'll do my best. Do you know how to live a happier life? That's one thing that I still want to learn how to do. I'm Sandy Weaver-Carmen, and I want you to know that you deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happier. You deserve to know how to make yourself happy whenever and wherever. This is where the rubber meets the road. And the road to your happiness is based in neuroscience and neuroplasticity, and I've made it easy for you to learn. Fantastic. There's a new road to happiness, one that can elevate your health, wealth, and happiness if you let it. Just go to... The21dayexperience.com slash Sandy Weaver Carmen. That's Carman, C-A-R-M-A-N, and elevate your happiness in just 21 days for free. Since you've been through the 21-day experience, how do you feel? I was screaming in the middle of the street. It's free, and you'll be happier and know how to stay happier in just 21 days. The21dayexperience.com slash Sandy Weaver Carmen. That's the numbers 21, and my last name is C-A-R-M-A-N. Start today for a happier tomorrow. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio Program. Sandy and I are talking about all kinds of things today. Yes. Lots of interesting Southern concepts, recipes, uh, classic Southern flowers. And I love this book that you've brought in. You like this book? I've never seen that book before, never heard of that book before. As soon as I get home, I'm ordering myself a copy of that book. Do you know that I bought a copy of this book for myself and one for each of my three daughters? Perfect. It's that good. Yep. Now, I don't have to tell you that I love Charleston, South Carolina. It is, I've often referred to it as my happy place. Right. It is photographed in both of my cookbooks, mm-hmm. right? It's been a huge inspiration for me, including some of the recipes that are included in my books. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's kind of the whole package. Right. There is 
is a, uh, a couple of women. There are a couple of women in Charleston, and they started something called the Charleston Academy of Domestic Pursuits. Wait, can I say it the way I was saying it? Go ahead and say it's it. It's the Charleston Academy of Domestic Pursuits. <laughs> yeah, should have said a it just like that. book of etiquette <laughs> with the recipes. <laughs> My goodness. Just, <laughs> you sound like, you sound like um, what was it? Um, Schnooty patootie. No, the guy from, from uh, Gilligan's Island. What was it? Oh, oh, Thurston, Lovey. Thurston Howell the Third. Thurston Howell the Third. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> this is a fabulous book. It is. It contains just about everything you need to know about being a classy Southern woman. Also about how to be hospitable, how to kind of run your home. It's all about the domestic arts. Right. Right. You could say it's about housekeeping, but that doesn't sound as good. No, that doesn't sound nearly as good. No, Nobody no, no, would no, buy no. that book. No. So this is the Academy of Domestic Pursuits. And, you know, one, they have a wonderful articles in here. One that's kind of inspired me, and I thought we could talk about it a little bit today, is the concept of how to comport yourself. Now, are you familiar with the term comport? Yes. It's sort of like how you behave, only a little, well, a little more high class than just behaving. (laughs) It just sounds better, right? You tell kids to behave. Adults comport themselves. Comport yourself, right? So this is a little bit of advice for how we, as Southern women, might comport ourselves at a dinner party. What should I be doing that I've messed up already? You probably do everything right in here, (laughs) I would think. And I like to think there's a little give and take on a few of these items. Okay. We're not trying to be dogmatic and overly strict on these, but these are good guidelines, I think, for anyone who's ever attended a dinner party Mm -hmm. and might be wondering, am I behaving myself properly? You know, do I know what to do? Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We know that etiquette is important, right? And basically, a great way to look at this, I would say, is etiquette uh, kind of teaches us how to not offend other members of society. Exactly. With our bad behavior. Right. Right. It is an essential element to a civilized South. I like that. In my opinion. So let's just say, for example, that we are... Um, attending a dinner party. There's a few guidelines that we might want to follow. It'd be helpful for all of us to know this as Mm -hmm. a hostess and as a guest, right? right? If I was coming to your house, for example, Sandy, for dinner, uh, number one thing, and believe it or not, a lot of folks forget this, we don't put our elbows on the table, not when we're eating. Not when we're eating. Not when we're eating. It's good to know that when you're not eating, did you know that putting your elbows on the table actually is perfectly acceptable? As long as there's no food and no no plates in front of you. In Once front- the table's been cleared yes. or before the plates show up, yes. you're good. You're good, right? Yes. Which is nice because sometimes particularly I have found myself after a meal's over and there's all kinds of good conversation going on at the table. You want to lean in. You want to lean in, yeah. right? Especially if you have something important to say, like I often do. Right? Of course you do. And then other people <laughs> around the table are going to want to lean in for you. Exactly. Yes. Right. So we, What we, is Jenny going to say next? <laughs> yes. Which they all, my children are always just waiting for bated, you know, with bated breath for my next, uh, you know, intelligent pontification about whatever it's life, life is thrown our way that week. But Insert no. eye roll here. <laughs> I think they can all visualize it right now. Another thing not to do at a dinner party, particularly a formal dinner party. And I have to tell you, I actually observed a woman do this once. Mm-hmm. Um, you should not switch place cards. <gasps> no. Yes, she did. Oh, mm-hmm, no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh. Oh, she did. Bless her did heart. Did somebody wander around and smack her hand? Mm-hmm. No, because as a good hostess, you can't do that. Uh, per- actually, I'll be honest with you. I think her intention was that she wanted to sit next to a particular gentleman, uh-huh. shall we say. Mm-hmm. Yes. That mm-hmm. was a little sneaky. Now, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of a lot of our dinner parties that we go to or dinners when we have entertained with our friends, we don't necessarily use place cards. But if they're there? If they're there, they're there for a reason. Honor them. I'm telling you. Yep. You know, that hostess gave some thought to where she placed people. Right. And if she's a good hostess, she placed people according to what she, how she felt the guests would interact 
best. Exactly. You know, she, exactly. Sit, you know, a lot of times they say really, really don't want to sit next to your spouse. No, right? you can talk to them anytime. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So you want to talk to somebody new. So the, the certainly the hostess has put some thought into that. Don't move the place cards. OK, also, um, let's not overburden or let's not burden at all the hostess with your food restrictions. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now, let's just clarify this. Now, if you have a life threatening allergy and you need to discreetly ask, you know, are what there, is in something? Are there peanuts in any of this? Right. Yes. If your throat's going to close up, you, 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 yeah, you, you need to have that conversation. But have it in the kitchen right. or have it ahead of time exactly. to make sure that there's something there that you can eat. Right. And if you're in that kind of situation, you're probably accustomed to having that conversation. Right. It's not going to be a big deal for you. And any gracious hostess would certainly understand that. But you don't need to use the dinner party as an opportunity to sort of, you know, inform everybody about the parameters of your diet. Right. No. Right. Nobody cares. No. Nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> really don't. As much as you might think they do, they really don't. Right. Now, also remember this. If you are served table side, let's say you're at a very formal dinner party and you're being served table side, there should be two utensils on the platter. So you put one utensil under the food and secure the other one on top. You see as you transfer it to your plate. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks don't serve this way anymore, but I remember my mother and father having dinner parties where they would serve sort of table side. Right. It's a little bit more formal, but mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Right. Also an important point. Don't begin eating until your hostess has had her first bite. Right. Right? So let's say, we've all, let's say it's a buffet. We've all made our plates and we sit down. You want to wait until sweet Mrs. Hostess sits mm-hmm. down and that's your signal to start eating. Right. You don't plop yourself down there and start woofing down your food before everybody else is seated. No, think of her as your social director. Exactly. Once she's started, you can go. Thank you. Yes. Right? Yeah. She's leading the party. Exactly. <laughs> now, in more ways than one. In more ways than one. She's done the work, I guarantee you. Yes. Now, um, also another thing, you don't want to grab your knife or fork with your fist and start sawing into your meat like you're cutting down a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're making the entire table move and wine splash out of the glasses, you're doing it wrong. I know. There is a proper and an improper way to cut up your food. It should be cut up one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. You don't You don't chop up the entire steak at right. once. You see what I'm saying? Right. And in terms of holding the knife and fork, your left index finger should be on the back of the fork, right above the, tine, the tines, right? And your right index finger on the back of the knife, right above the blade. So this gives you maximum, you know, control and dexterity. And you want to just, just do little little bite-sized pieces is what you want to be cutting, right? In this country, you do not have to, because there's a certain American way that we do this. Um, you do not need to switch the fork back to your right hand. You see what I'm saying? Right. A lot of you folks can do, do it the European way. I tell you, I have mastered the European way, mm-hmm, which is to leave it in your left hand. Now, left-handed people love this because it's like, oh my gosh, something that Finally. etiquette lets us do. Yes. Yes. Right. I do it all the time, and I at first I thought it's a little strange. It's a far more efficient way it's of very eating. Very efficient. Yes. And there's something kind of. I don't know, Sandy, sophisticated about it. It's a little saucy, right? It's saucy. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got your fork in the left hand the whole time, Mm -hmm. right? And you eat that, you eat it that way rather than setting down the fork, transferring the fork from the left hand to the right hand, eating your food, then putting it back in the left hand to cut the next piece. Yes. Those are extraneous steps that just are not necessary. Now, if you are right-handed... You probably do want to transfer the fork to your right hand before you try to scoop up a fork full of peas. There you go. Otherwise, they're going to be all over the dining room table. Then we have coordination issues. Yes. (laughs) There are exceptions to every rule, including this one. (laughs) Now, while you're eating, once the food is inside your mouth, it does not need to be visible to the rest of the dinner party. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. You might think this is an obvious 
thing. But it's some, I know that particularly with enthusiastic conversationalists, sometimes they can't quite hold off saying something. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes. It's best to have swallowed your food. We are not wild animals. We don't need to display what we're eating, right? Swallow your food before you move on to the next. Do not mind seeing what you're saying. I just don't want to see what you're eating. Thank you. Yes. It's not seafood right? like that. But I've been waiting to use that joke. <laughs> just, that was the perfect chance. <laughs> How about this? A lot of times, particularly at restaurants. In fact, I was at a restaurant this week with my daughter and they serve the butter. The bread comes out. Mm-hmm. The butter is on a plate. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, actually, the proper way to do this, folks, is when you're taking the butter off the butter plate, transfer it to your own plate before applying it to the bread. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yes. You're not supposed to be taking your dinner fork and scooping it into the butter and using it. And you're also not supposed to be taking the butter knife that is on the plate, right? And wiping your bread with it. And wiping your bread with it. So the simple, simple answer there is you take your butter and put it right on the edge of your plate and then use your own knife to spread it. Exactly. Makes sense, right? Yes. Now, how about this? When you first sit down at the dinner table, really the number, what is the first thing that you think that you should do? When you first sit down. Napkin on the lap. Thank you. Yes. Your mama taught you, right? She did. You're right. (laughs) So the napkin goes into the lap. Even if the food's not there yet, the napkin goes into the lap. Now, uh, now if you are getting up to excuse yourself at some point during the dinner, the proper place to leave the napkin when you get up in the the middle of a dinner, when you're coming back, is to lay it on the seat. Mm -hmm. Okay? Not on the table. Though I do have to tell you, in a home with dogs that are high enough to reach the napkin if you put it in your chair. Yeah. I'm perfectly okay with my dinner guests laying it on the fork side of their uh, plate. On so the you table. have got you've got extraneous circumstances. Yes. If extenuating the, circumstances. If the dogs are in the house, you probably don't want to leave the napkin on the ah. chair because they may run off with it. So it may be gone when or, you get back. Or lick it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if there's well, any you, food on the napkin, they're licking would, it. You would explain that to your guests too. You would say, <laughs> yeah. you know, Henley and Duffy may very likely run off with your napkin. Please don't leave it in your seat. Exactly. I understand that. I do. How about this? If you're uh, eating with a teaspoon, a soup spoon, or a coffee spoon, you don't want to leave it in the bowl or in the cup. When you're done using it, you retire it. You like that phrase? I like that. You retire it. You retire it to the edge of the plate. (laughs) That's that's all you have to do. And and last but not least, folks, remember, you are in charge of your own good time. Mm -hmm. You know, when you accept a dinner invitation to go to someone's home... It's almost like a little bit of a social contract, right? They are opening their home to you, probably going to great effort to make a wonderful evening for you and delicious food. And, you know, you I think you're into the contract is you're there to be on your best behavior while having a wonderful time. Bring your party manners. And we truly appreciate you inviting us to your party every Saturday. Thanks for joining us again this week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us here at Southern Sisters Radio on Faith Talk Atlanta. If you have questions for Jenny, want more information about something you heard on today's show, or want to enter any of the Southern Sisters contests, visit southernsistershome.com. And remember to connect with Jenny on Facebook at Southern Sisters Home with Jenny McCormick Earhart.